Welcome to TCN Talks. I'm your host, Chris Como. The goal of our podcast is 15 to 20 minutes of relevant, need to know to help you in your role as a hospice, powder care, and serious illness leader and team member at all levels of the organization. Our goal is relevant, need to know for you in your role. And the book in our podcast is always something just to make you think deeper about the topic and just about generally life in itself. So I want to introduce Dr. John Morris. He's our guest today. John, welcome. Great to be here. My claim to fame in the world is Dr. Morris was <laughs> my very first hire as a CEO at Four Seasons many moons ago in 2002, I think it was. And you've learned a lot about hiring since then, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, tell them, uh, just introduce yourself. What would be important things to know about you? So I'm a pulmonary critical care doctor by training, and I had a weekend where I just had a very difficult death that the family was really upset. And it started me on a great journey in serious illness care and palliative care and hospice. Uh, started palliative care programs in our local hospital in 2003. And I have just loved taking care of people with serious illness. Well, and John, as long as I've known you as well, you're uh, kind of an entrepreneur at heart, entrepreneur at heart and a problem solver at heart, which I think probably brings us to our topic today, um, which is about the vaccine. And so we've obviously been living in incredibly interesting times. That old Chinese proverb, maybe you live in interesting times, has absolutely been true. And so now we actually have a vaccine. And so you've been wonderful for our whole network doing education about the vaccine itself. And I appreciate that. And that's actually why I want to have you on today. So what do our hospice and palliative care serious illness professionals in our network, what do they need to know about the vaccine? I am so excited about this vaccine. It is the beginning of, um, of, of it's, it's a great opportunity for us as hospice and palliative care leaders. Uh, first of all, we've been putting our lives on the line day to day, caring for very sick people with COVID. And now we have an opportunity to protect ourselves. And th- what I would want people to know is these are, we have two vaccines that are approved in our country right now that are great vaccines, 95% efficacious. Man, the flu shot's only 50 to 60% efficacious. So these are great vaccines. They've been tested and we've had um, uh, time to really evaluate them and they're safe and effective And this is the way that we can more effectively care for ourselves, our families, our patients, uh, and our communities. And so I'm really excited about these vaccines. So John, I've heard a couple of webinars you've done on this. And so to hear 95% efficaciousness, how the heck did they pull that off? That almost sounds like too good to be true. So, but actually I've heard you talk about it and I have to admit I was skeptical when I heard that. And so can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, and so it is surprising. They've got a vaccine and two vaccines now in one year, whereas previously vaccines have taken many years. But technology really is moving rapidly. And the great thing about this is that the the genetic part of the genome of the virus was published internationally 10 days after the first virus so that scientists all over the world could start working on this. And then, you know, because the pandemic was worldwide, you have every country interested in putting money into the research for vaccines. We have uh, our own researchers. Uh, In 2019, in October, there were no clinical studies on COVID. 
And now there's been like 100,000 clinical studies on COVID. And so our governments, our pharmaceutical companies have poured billions and billions of dollars into, um, into these vaccines, into creating good, safe vaccines for our countries. Number one, because they want to do the right thing, but also because they're, they're going to make a lot of money off these vaccines. Yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking my, my kids love the movie Independence Day. And, you know, the world came together to save the earth. Um, you got that thing in our American spirit, mm. but it feels like in some respects, that's what this has been. Yeah. Some of the most incredible minds around the world came together and applied to a problem, which is why it maybe looks too good to be true. But maybe it's one of the first times we really have done that with the advent of technology to support the situation. And, and you think about just how much this virus has affected our lives and our culture. And you see why so many people are willing to invest so much time and energy and money into creating a vaccine. And I'm convinced uh, that the FDA is not taking any shortcuts. There's great independent researchers that are monitoring this. We have multiple countries monitoring. The checks and balances in the safety of this vaccine is, is unprecedented. Well, let me ask a question around that. And so um, I think people generally, I know some of my own skepticism was the concern of how quickly it was developed. And so um, can you just help alleviate their fears that this wasn't something done shoddy, something rushed, um, and it's really putting, I think people feel like, hey, are they using me as a human experiment here? Usually it, it takes very long to do it right. Can you speak to that? Yeah, and so first of all, we have the new technologies that's allowed us to make the vaccines quicker, but we also have, the FDA has taken no shortcuts at all. And so normally it, it takes 3,000 volunteers to be tested and monitored for two months. Now with these two vaccines, the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine, each have had more than 40,000 people volunteer and they've followed these people for more than six months now. And so all the side effects have been monitored by two independent councils and with multiple countries monitoring. So no shortcuts on safety, great results, efficacy and almost no side effects. It's been great. And John, there's a lot of people I've heard in some of the webinars you've done in our network where literally uh, hospice palliative care staff said they came in skeptical and at the end they were signing up to go and get the vaccine. What do you think maybe were the top three, four or five reasons why they maybe came in with one mindset and within the, you know, some, I saw you do it in 40 minutes in one of the webinars yesterday. What do you think kind of shifted them in a 40 minute time frame? Well, I really think it's because, you know, people think, do I have a choice? Do I want to get this vaccine or do I want to wait? And, and, and what I'm learning more and more with our country, it's not a matter of do I want the vaccine or not the vaccine? It's do I want the vaccine or do I want to get COVID? Yeah. And what we're learning more and more is that, you know, at first we were worried because there is a 2% chance of mortality of dying with COVID. But often, like in palliative care, we realize that people aren't that afraid of dying, but they're afraid of some of the uh, life-limiting complications that occur with COVID. And what we're learning more and more now is that COVID can last for weeks and months after uh, you're, you're better. And people have uh, been shown to have fatigue for four months or more. Our lung scans show inflammation and lung damage for up to six months after you've had even an asymptomatic COVID episode. Uh, we had a Florida basketball player that recently collapsed on the court. 
He had COVID four months before and was better. But when they tested him, they found that there's still heart inflammation, uh, hair loss, diabetes, and 15% of people after they recover from COVID, a lot of people have a brain, describe a brain fog and a mental memory problems that occur with COVID. And some people get depressed and start seeing getting delusional with COVID after they've had their COVID episode and theoretically improved. So with these long-term side effects, more and more, I'm strongly recommending that you get the vaccine because they're just, the side effects are gonna be short-lived. You have a day or two of fatigue and aches and headaches, but then it's better. And you don't have to put up with the weeks or months of uh, trouble after COVID. And John, we're, we're actually knowing a lot of people wanna pay this uh, this podcast forward into the public, not just the hospice and palliative care and serious illness folks. And so if they do pay it forward to family and friends and the public, what would you want them to know about this vaccine? I want them to know that this is one of the safest vaccines that's ever been developed and one of the best vaccines since the measles shot. You know, flu shots are 50 to 60% efficacious. This vaccine is 95% efficacious and almost nobody gets hospitalized and nobody dies after the vaccine. And so you can say um, that people get sore from the shot, but it, you know, and a few people may even get COVID, but it changes COVID from a life-threatening, long-term debilitating illness to the mild common cold that's gone in a couple of days. And well, I know listening to you, again, the, you know, I'm a history buff and I love history. And um, there's a couple of, well, there, there are seasons in um, the timeline of history when you see just a culmination of a, a, just a bunch of change. One of my favorite uh, slides is there's a picture in Chicago and they say, can you pick out the one car on the street? And then within a 10 year time period, can you pick out the one horse? And it, it shows the, the amount of change in the culmination. Mm -hmm. We live at a time when I think we don't realize how much stuff is kind of coming to the forefront at the same time, which maybe probably explains why it looks like the impossible really was pulled off which to me then removes some of the skepticism and concern about, you know, did they cut corners? Is this something that's really not safe? You recently had the actual vaccine yourself, right? I did. It went, went fine? And I've had two shots of the Pfizer vaccine. The first sh shot had no side effects. The second shot, I had some mild aches and fatigue for 24, 48 hours. But uh, after that, not, it, it was nothing. So it was great. Um, you know, I, I went through COVID actually around Christmas time and your slide, um, in fact, still concerns me because I do know of people that are having long term effects. And um, it was a heck of a lot worse than I expected it was going to be. Um, I was probably that close to going to the ER one night. Best shape of my life. And, you know, but you hear stories, oh, it was a minor cold for one person. And for some people, yes, but other people. And then, like you're saying, this tale of these effects as opposed to taking a vaccine that's so efficacious, it really does seem to be like a, a no-brainer. Yeah, Chris, and there's there's actually a scarier thing coming in the future. Uh, you know, we're all reading new stories about how the virus mutates in these variations. And uh, currently, there's a variation coming out of South Africa and a variation coming out of Brazil that cause reinfection. So just because you've had COVID before, doesn't mean that you won't get it again. 
Now, fortunately, the vaccines still work on all these different mutants right now. And so it's just another reason to get the vaccine. In South Africa, they're finding people that had COVID and then six months later get another bad case of COVID. And the same in Brazil, in the town called Manus, 80% of the people had already had COVID. And then this new virus variant came through and now their hospitals are full again and more people are dying. And so these variants are not only more infectious, but they're more life-threatening. And the good news is they're still, uh, the vaccine still works against them. I can't imagine getting this twice. <laughs> I could not <laughs> want to go through it twice. So um, John, also heard you talk the other day about herd immunity. I think everybody was like, oh God, thank God 2020 is done. Can't wait for 2021, but here we are with challenges in 2021 as well. And so, Herd immunity is the pathway at some level, right? So can you speak to that? Yeah, and so what happens is as long as the virus has places to live, and that's people, then it will continue to replicate and spread. And what scientists have estimated that it takes 60 to 70% of the population to either have COVID or be vaccinated to prevent this virus from, vac from spreading. But unfortunately, we're having to read, look at those numbers. And Fauci just came out this week and said, it's probably going to take 85% of the population to either get infected or vaccinated before we have enough herd immunity for the virus not to have um, people to jump to and spread with. And then we will be able to kind of get back to the previous normal. So the big to-do on everybody's to-do list and the best way to get there is to go get the vaccine, right? Go get vaccinated. Well, I think probably maybe the last hurdle for people is the myths. There's just so much misinformation out there. And so um, one of my kids' favorite shows for a long time was Mythbusters. And so can you bust some myths out there, John, for some of the misinformation around the vaccine? I would love to because there's a lot going on on the Internet and there's just some strange uh, things. Everything from where Bill Gates is going to use this to inject us in um, with uh, microchips to uh, other myths that Which, people have. I got to say a funny on that. When he was over Microsoft, it didn't work too well. So that's <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, unfortunately, we have a lot of people looking at these vaccines from many different countries that are making sure that it's just pure. But one of the myths is that this mRNA is new and never been tested before. When actually this is, while it is a new technology, it's been around for 10 years and been tested on humans for seven years now as they're looking to, for Ebola vaccines and influenza vaccines and other things. So it is a safe technology and it's new. If you think about it, this is just a tiny little bit of RNA and we don't have to take live viruses and weaken them and inject them in people anymore. So it's much safer than the old live attenuated viruses, which is how we vaccinated people in the past. That, that's a big point, because when people hear the word vaccine, they feel like, you know, all vaccines are then same premise. This is a total technological revolution and doing it in a different way. And it should be much safer. It really should be. Now, because of this, people are thinking, oh, this RNA is kind of like DNA. I wonder if it'll affect my genes and maybe it'll change who I am and the genetics. But actually, DNA makes RNA and they're injected RNA, which makes protein. And so there's no chance that these RNA vaccines will ever change somebody's DNA. 
there was a pharmacist in Wisconsin that was just arrested for destroying um, some vaccines because he thought it would affect people's genetics. And the reality is if he understood how the body works, you would know that's just an impossibility. But again, the internet can be a dangerous thing. So uh, uh, other myths are that it will cause facial palsy. Mm -hmm. And there was something going around on Facebook here recently, and they had pictures of uh, people with dramatic facial palsy, Bell's palsy. Uh, Now, there have been a couple cases of Bell's palsy in people that have gotten vaccinated. But it's no more Bell's palsy in those that are vaccinated than in the normal population. So they're thinking that it's just a normal occurrence of this palsy. But it is something that the vaccines and we're all monitoring and looking to see if we vaccinate more people, will this side effect be be real or not? Another myth is that uh, this um, vaccine would has contained aborted fetal cells. And the reality is the AstraZeneca vaccine was made from a cell line of human cells uh, that started in 1970. And it, it was from an aborted fetus in 1970. We don't know if it's a medical abortion or a therapeutic abortion or what, because we've lost all the records. But these cells have been grown in the lab for the last 50 years. And these are lab-grown cells, not aborted fetus cells. And so I really think that that can reassure people as well. Are there any other myths you've heard of? I was just thinking about that last one you just shared, because I think that the, about the aborted cells, that more pertains to other vaccines that are out there. But then again, they're applying it. It's like it's really apples and oranges because this is such a new type technology. So. Um, no, I think that's it, John. Any final thoughts that just, you know, again, you've got a, an audience of thousands of people here. Um, what would just be the final piece of wisdom that you would speak to them related to the vaccine? Again, I think that this is a great opportunity that, uh, for us to get vaccinated as a good example for our community. I think it's a great opportunity to protect our family. Uh, this doesn't mean we have to stop wearing masks. We have to continue to wear masks, to socially distance, to wash our hands. Uh, but I think this is a great way to take care of our patients, our families, uh, and our communities. And so I would highly recommend that everybody get their vaccine as soon as possible. Yeah, that last part, and that's another one that I think people, it's not a myth, but it's what people go, well, if I gotta go get the vaccine and still wear a mask, then what's the point? But you have an awesome slide. We'll actually put it as part of the um, is the final cut that we'll make. It's the Swiss cheese slide. You want to ex- explain it just one more time in the context because people think in terms of pictures. Yeah, if you think about Swiss cheese, every slice of cheese has holes in it. And so as I've talked to people about how to prevent the virus spread with everything that we offer, like social distancing, well, sometimes the virus can go more than six feet or with masks. Sometimes the virus can get around the mask. Or with vaccines, they're 95% efficacious, but still 5% of people can get COVID again. So with each one of these modalities to prevent the spread of virus, there are holes in them. But if you take a bunch of these slices of Swiss cheese and you put them together, there are no holes. Yep. And that's what we know with the COVID um, treatment. If we can use the vaccines, if we can use masks, if we can use social distancing, if we can use uh, these kind of things now, we can stop this virus spread and get back to um, life 
before we had COVID. Yeah, I, I love where you just ended it because I think that, you know, I believe in leadership. If you can get people pulling in the same direction, there's nothing you can't accomplish. The problem has been there's been so much misinformation and, you know, sometimes you feel like you're, you're hearing the same thing re-explained three different ways, three different, um, and just in that there's a lack of clarity. So I heard a lot of good clarity. Get the vaccine. It's the best path to get herd immunity. And still keep wearing masks because that because you can still be carrying the actual virus, uh, even though you've had the vaccine, you can still be carrying it. You can infect other people. So another reason why to wear the mask, so then you don't kind of be spreading it to others. And that's the best pathway for us to get beyond this, which we all want. I think that's common ground. Every person, not just hospice, about cure serious illness people, but our country as a whole. So thank you, John. Thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity. And so I want to leave you with our TCN thought. And so I love this one. This one was perfect for um, what John was talking to us about. It's about gut reactions. It says gut reactions are usually very wrong or very right. They tend to be wrong when they're based purely on emotion and in domains where you lack experience. They tend to be right when they're rooted in deep understanding and well-developed taste. Trust your gut when you have the experience to back it up. Thanks for listening to TCN Talks. The content of this podcast does not constitute medical advice and should not replace the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare professional.